Hello and welcome to the New to Canada podcast, the show that shares honest, real-life stories and insider info from internationals living in Canada. I am your host, Kate Johnson, and I made the big move from England to Canada in 2017 after falling in love with a Canadian. Join me as I chat with fellow newcomers and learn all about where they are from in the world, why they chose Canada as their new home, and the lessons they've learnt along the way. It's great to have you. Congratulations! If you've hit play on this episode, it means that you're officially looking into the Canadian citizenship application process, the final part of your immigration journey. And oh my gosh, that blue passport will feel so good when it's finally in your hands. This episode's guest is Larry Butkowski from Butkowski Immigration Law, and he is here to tell us what we can expect when applying to become an official Canadian citizen. The hardest part has been done. Now it's a matter of, you know, sort of assessing whether you meet, you know, the requirements for citizenship and then doing what's necessary to get an application in process. But there's a certain benefit to carrying a Canadian passport, depending what part of the world you come from originally. You know, Canadian passport holders uh, don't require visas to to travel to certain countries. There there are major differences, right? Permanent residents of Canada, you know, can't vote. They can't run for political office. They can't hold certain jobs where you might require some kind of level of, of high security clearances. Damn it, my career in the CIA or the Canadian equivalent. Listen, you never you never <laughs> you never know where you're gonna go in life. In this episode, Larry offers us an update on delayed application processing times and what to do if your status expires. He explains the benefits of becoming a Canadian citizen versus remaining a permanent resident. And then he breaks down the steps from eligibility requirements all the way to the citizenship ceremony. Let's start the show. Before we dive in with Larry, I just want to quickly invite you to my free Moving to Canada party. It's taking place online on Tuesday the 23rd of August at 5pm Toronto time. So very, very soon I'll be sharing my biggest lessons and tips on dealing with three main things when you move to Canada. Number one is the life admin, so the logistics of setting up a new life here in Canada. Number two is how to build a new support network from scratch for your career and social life. And number three is how to navigate the emotional roller coaster that comes with a move abroad as well. So, so much value. I really, really hope to see you there. And at the end of the workshop, I'll finally be introducing you to my brand new product that I've been working months and months on, made specifically to support newcomers to Canada. I am so passionate about it. I want to help you build a life here in Canada that you truly love and that you feel at home in. You know, feeling at home is so important. To register for my free Moving to Canada party and the product launch, head to thenewcomercollective.com slash launch dash party. That's launch with a dash in the middle, party. thenewcomercollective.com slash launch dash party. 
If you're listening to this episode after August 23rd, don't worry, just head to the website, thenewcomercollective.com, and you'll instantly be able to see the new product and learn more about it. So now without further ado, here is Canadian immigration lawyer, Larry Bukowski. Hello, Larry. How are you? I'm pretty good. How are you, Kate? I'm well. I'm well. Keeping busy, enjoying the summer while we still have it. (laughs) Let's hold on to it as long as we can, right? Like, it's the most Canadian thing for us to be sort of complaining about the heat and humidity now so that, you know, (laughs) we could then roll into winter and then complain about the freezing cold and wind. 100%. 100%. It's the same with the Brits. So I think that's why we get on. We can just talk about the weather all day and that's an easy in for small talk. (laughs) Well, you know, I, I always say that, you know, the reason reason why perhaps Brits and Canadians are able to sort of ramble on about weather and what have you is because, you know, by and large, comparatively speaking, we don't have the bigger problems that people from other places have, you know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, I know your practice is based in Toronto. Where are you at the moment? Uh, I'm I'm talking to you from my home. Uh, I'm working hybrid these days. And so I'm in the office a couple of days a week and otherwise working from home. Wonderful. Cool. How are things going? I bet you're busy with um, with the IRCC ramping up those express entry draws. They're coming in more and more now, slowly. Yeah, I'm I'm keeping busy. Like my practice is sort of all over the place. I do a little bit of this, a little bit of that. I'm not doing as much express entry stuff these days. Do a lot of refugee work, sponsorships, mm-hmm. work permits, visitor visas, and yes, keeping busy and uh, at the same time trying to trying to have some time off during the summer to I don't know, keep sane. Yeah, we'll be 6 feet in snow sooner or later, so we have to. Exactly. <laughs> well, it's really nice to see these draws happening though, you know, processing times across the board have been delayed for for a while now due to I don't know the backlog from the pandemic and all those things so yeah do you have any updates or advice for for people who may be frustrated with their application you know in limbo right now uh hard to give advice other than stay the course and try to be patient because yeah my experience with uh immigration through the pandemic has been kind of frustrating you know there were i'd say the first probably six eight months like not much was happening at all i deal with visa offices all over the world you know for clients and and some of these offices were like nothing was going on right you'd you'd send emails or or web forms and and you know it was crickets but yeah since since the beginning of 21 things are starting to happen in sort of all areas of immigration but look you know there are still delays and and immigration's trying to get their their act together with things and so um I don't know, personally speaking, and it's anecdotal, I'm seeing some movement, I'm seeing some action. But, you know, I'm constantly telling my clients to, you know, chill out. Um, Yeah, there's not much you can do really at the end of the day. I always say to everyone as well, you know, you've got to remember that it is a human being on the other end, you know, you you, you do everything digitally, and you think, you know, oh, it's, you know, an online process. But yeah, there is a real human that you have to have patience with at the other end that's got a stack of cases to get through. So yeah, it's one of those things. And and things are, are um, it's very hard to predict, you know, because, you know, yeah. I do a lot of spousal applications, you know, spousal common law partner sponsorships. And um, it's, it's just been super odd during the pandemic, right? Like, for every one of mine that that takes like a year and a half, or is still cooking and, and not 
much has happened in a year and a half. I get another one that's done in five months and my clients think I'm like, you know, a magician. And I just <laughs> say, I, I'm, I'm flattered that you think I, you know, had something to do with the speed. And in, in a, some sense I do, but it's just a lot of uh, randomness, shall we say. Yeah. See, that's so, it's so interesting. Yeah, it really is just the luck of the draw on, on, on is it the, the person that you get? Like what their workload is like? I mean, it's just, yeah, it's random. I think some of it is the person you get. Some of it is, um, you know, some of these files from, from what I gather are sort of screened before they're assigned to an officer. And so these screeners sometimes are, are a big fat problem because sometimes they'll screen your application and, um, you know, look for deficiencies and find quote unquote deficiencies and then send your application back to you. And now you're back at square one. And, and I've had that happen in my office a bunch of times over the years. Yeah. Like the last time I had this happen to me, I had a, a file out of, you know, the States. It was a no brainer file. There were kids involved. My clients have been married a long time. They sent back an application saying you were missing a, a marriage certificate. And I thought, holy smokes, I can't believe I messed that up so bad. Right. And then I looked at it and it's like, okay, right in the middle of the application, exactly where it was supposed to be was the marriage certificate. And so you're, you're, you can't do anything, right? You can yeah. scream. You can scream into the uh, nethers, but nothing's happening other than got to do it all over again. Dot the eyes, cross the yeah. t's, send them back a bit of a snarky letter, and move on. <laughs> you got to play the game, yeah, exactly. And then once it's all done, then yeah, that feeling of relief is so amazing. So yeah, it was all worth it, but. Yeah, I think the the panic comes in. I had it myself. It's when what your current status or permit or whatever you're on is expiring and then you still you think you've left yourself enough time to get to the next part, but it's not being processed in time and then you're kind of in limbo yeah. because you're thinking, "Oh god, my work permit's going to expire or my PR's yeah. expired, but now I haven't got my citizenship, I haven't got this." So that's kind of where people get scared. Well, look, it that gets complicated. This isn't the subject of our talk today, but uh like when you you file an application for a work study or, or, or visitor status, and, and at the same time, when, when you filed, you already have status, you continue to maintain the status until such time as that application is decided, even though the permit that's in your hands has, you know, has expired. Mm-hmm. You do maintain status, but then, you know, if, if they screw up your application and then send it back to you. And right. then you've already, your status has already expired. Now you're, you're no longer in status. And so if you're, you know, you were a worker yeah. and you've got a job and you're working at, you know, ABC Inc. Well, now technically, you know, you're not able to work until we can get you back in status. So mm-hmm. the ramifications of these mess ups and, and what have you are sometimes uh, profound. Yeah. It's risky to, to leave it. Yeah. Yeah. And then I guess as well, when you're applying for citizenship and your PR card expires, you can still continue with that citizenship application because you still have your PR status. Correct. But then if you leave Canada, that's when there'll be a problem because you won't have a card to get back into the country. So I try and explain that when people ask me, no, you're fine. You can still apply with an expired PR card. But then to get back into Canada, you know, you need to have that travel document. 
Correct if you're trying to travel to Canada on an airplane. Right. Incorrect if you're trying to enter Canada via land border from the States. Uh, but, you know, I can't tell you how many times where people who are outside Canada with expired PR cards are contacting me because they're in a full-on panic. And those situations mm -hmm. are quirky and can be complicated. Uh, Big time. Yeah. And it's crazy to me, honestly. I think, I think it's crazy that a little piece of plastic is what you need. I think it's 2022. Why can't we have something that's like in our passport that like comes up on the screen, you know, that says like, oh, they're a permanent resident of Canada. It's just funny that you have to have a piece of plastic that you can lose. It's scary. I like tape mine to my passport. Yeah. Like, oh God. It's <laughs> yeah. No, you're right. Like, why can't we have that in our passport? Oh, see, this is the wormhole of immigration. We could just keep going, digging and finding new things to talk about. But um, Yeah, and then, yeah. you know, then it'll be next Wednesday and we'll have been recording <laughs> for like, you know, five days. Mm -hmm. But we're going to definitely cover citizenship today. Um, thank you so much for, for coming on the show and spending some time with us. Obviously, we've covered how to immigrate to Canada in the first place, those first steps that you should consider. Then we've covered permanent residency with with a focus on express entry, the most common pathway. And yeah, this was the natural next step. I wanted to to have a, a, an immigration lawyer on to to dive into Canadian citizenship and um, yeah, the process involved in that because yeah, getting that all important passport is uh, yeah, the next big goal on my list anyway. All right. Yeah. Perfect. As I mentioned, I'd, I'd already gone through the process myself for those other interviews I was just mentioning. So yeah, throughout those, I could kind of chime in with my personal experiences and things. Whereas this time around, I'm in the dark as much as the listeners. So yeah, I'm really looking forward to to learning all about it from you and breaking the process down a little bit. And um, sure. So, yeah, thanks for being here. No problem. It's a pleasure. Well, you know, I, I think, you know, at the outset, I think it's important for, you know, your listeners to understand and for you to understand that, you know, the citizenship process, by and large, is, is far more straightforward than, you know, the pathway to permanent residence or, mm -hmm. you know, temporary status in Canada. You know, it's, it's you know, it's a matter of, of you know, fulfilling all the requirements, completing an application, and then sort of, you know, getting the ball rolling. We've done the hardest part. The hardest part's behind us. Yeah. <laughs> that feels good. The hardest part has been done. Now it's a matter of, of you know, sort of assessing whether you meet you know, the requirements for citizenship and then doing what's necessary to get an application in process. But I guess the first thing to really think about is, is you know, what is a citizen? And it's, you know, when, when you become a citizen, you'll, you'll eventually obtain a, a Canadian passport. There's a certain benefit to carrying a Canadian passport, depending what part of the world you, you, you come from originally. You know, Canadian passport holders, uh, don't require visas to to travel to certain countries. Um, you know, so there's this sort of ease of 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 movement, which is you know important. Yeah, even as a Brit, you know, the idea of just going into the states is so that's so exciting for me because right now we drive to the states, and you know, I'm with a bunch of Canadians, and it's all our our, our passports stacked together, and it's like blue, 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 and then my red one, and they're like everyone to the office, and everyone's like Kate, oh right. my god, they get so mad. So it's gonna be nice to be waved through. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm surprised. Like, 
uh, I mean, you guys don't need visas to get to the States. So I'm just, you know, wh- why, why, no. what have you done in your life to cause such scrutiny at the border, Kate? I don't know. I think it's just that I need that stamp. So they can't do it from the little booth. I have to go right. up and, and then everyone in the car has to come up. It's, just, it's a pain. It's, it's interesting, but yeah. But anyhow, whatever you've done or not done could be the subject of another podcast. You know, maybe <laughs> listeners will find that interesting. Or not. Mm-hmm. Anyhow, the, the the reality of of sort of citizenship versus permanent residence is is there there are major differences, right? Permanent residents of Canada, you know, can't vote. They can't run for political office. Uh, they can't hold certain jobs where you know uh, you might require some kind of level of of high security, you know, clearances. Mm. Damn it, my career in the CIA or the Canadian equivalent. Listen, you never, you never, <laughs> you never know where you're going to go in life. Uh, but you know, look, you know, when I say high level security clearance, it doesn't necessarily mean you know working for CSIS or the CIA or what have you. You know, you can be you know an accountant and working in a certain department, and you know, by virtue of the nature of your job, you need um, high level security clearance because you're working on sort of files involving the, the Canadian government. So. There are more jobs than you think of that you might actually require that security clearance and, and where you might need Canadian citizenship. There's also a couple of other things to think about. You know, permanent residents of Canada have requirements that fall on their shoulders that Canadian citizens don't. Um, you know, permanent residents have to maintain a physical presence in Canada for two years out of every five. Um, you know, as we're talking about a few minutes ago, that can be a problem sometimes uh, for people that travel, for, I, I, I've, I've spoken to so many people over the last couple of years who were, you know, out of Canada and sort of trapped out of Canada during the pandemic. Lost their status, yeah. Well, not necessarily lost their status, but lost the validity on their PR cards, which ends up causing a problem. So, mm. you know, there's another example where your Canadian passport Okay, it's a big time benefit. Mm. You know, another another big time scenario, and I see this a lot, is where people end up having you know criminal problems. Mm-hmm. Certain types of criminal convictions can become a real problem for you as a permanent resident because the government can come after you in an effort to strip you of of your residence. You know, there's there's a bunch of different situations whereby having Canadian citizenship is 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 beneficial and, you know, acts as a protection for you. Yeah, I mean the ease of travel thing is is huge and and the right to vote is huge I think. You know, you're living in this country permanently, you're a permanent resident and and even myself, I you know, my husband just got the the ballot to vote recently and yeah, it feels weird to not have any say in how things are run, but you're living here and you're spending your life here and you're paying the taxes. So that's huge for me. And and here's another one. I mean, you know, people want to pass on their citizenship to their children if they're having them you know, that isn't necessarily automatic from, you know, from a permanent resident. Yes, if the child's born in Canada, it is. But, you know, you see all kinds of different situations. But Canadian citizenship being passed on is is a nice one, too. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And it's just the logical next step, really. It's the final step. And then you don't have to worry about it anymore. You know, with the PR, you have to do it every five years, you have to do, you know, the time involved and all that. So it's just nice to to have that done. (laughs) 
you know, look, you know, there are people that worry that, oh, if I become a Canadian citizen, I, you know, I now break ties with my my past and I now cease to be the citizen of, of country X or Y. And the reality of that is is not necessarily true, right? Canada allows dual nationality, you know, mm-hmm. you know, you can be a national of Canada and one, two, three other countries. You know, the relevant consideration in, in that scenario becomes, you know, your original country of citizenship and whether they permit you to become a citizen of of, of a second country or, or a third country. So that was one of my questions actually. I got a question on Instagram from someone saying, Can do I have to give up my US citizenship? No. So that's obviously a concern that no, I, but you know, like when I, when I'm confronted with these situations, what I always say is uh, I don't purport to be an expert on on anything other than what happens here, and so you should do your due diligence and take a look at at you know your country of citizenship and make sure that you know you're not doing anything by becoming you know the dreaded Canadian citizen <laughs> that you might one day regret. Yeah, it's a big decision, it is, for sure. Yeah. And I have two other really good benefits as well of becoming a citizen. Let's hear. Um, you get to enjoy free admission to all places run by Parks Canada for one full year. That's a so good one. So as a new Canadian, you can check out all the Parks Canada and, you know, enjoy this country and the, ne- the, you know, the natural beauty that it has for a full year for free. I think that's such a good initiative. I love that. Um, and then we also have the canoe app. Do you know the canoe app? You know, what's funny is I just saw that this week and, and I did not look. It's so cool. Other than seeing it, I didn't, I didn't really look into what it was. And so tell me. Yeah. So when you become a Canadian citizen for the first time, you get to download the free mobile app canoe and yeah, it provides new Canadians with free admission to over 1400 museums, science centers, art galleries, historic sites across the country. So nice. Another benefit. Those are big benefits. Such a good idea. There's so much beauty coast to coast that Canadians, a lot of Canadians are not aware of, you know, and, you know, I've been all over this country and there's tons of national parks from coast to coast that are worth spending time in, right? Yeah, and we've worked so hard to to become a citizen and all the steps we've gone through. So now we can just enjoy it. And it's our home. So yeah, I think that's such an amazing idea. I love it. I can't wait to to take advantage of that when it's my time. So awesome. Cool. Cool. So let's dive into eligibility requirements. So we can run through those really quickly. What is what do we have to be or have to to start this process? Okay. So eligibility requirements are fairly basic. Firstly, you need to be a permanent resident of Canada mm-hmm. uh, and you need to have lived in Canada for three out of the last five years. Um, and so there's there's a residence requirement um, in, in filing the application. And, you know, this three out of five years is, is, is a basic requirement. But basically, when you're going to fill out your application, you're going to fill out a residence calculator. And so, Trips outside of Canada will will take away from from your time. You know, when you sign that citizenship application, moving backwards five years, you need to have you know three times three hundred and sixty five days in in this country. A thousand and ninety five days. <laughs> I believe that's the number. And it's good when you get your PR card in the mail. It also comes with a slip of paper that I keep in my passport, and it's a tracker. So. As soon as you get your PR card, you can start writing every single time you leave Canada in there and the dates, because yeah. what a lifesaver that is, honestly. Like now that I'm looking to doing this 
application process to think, oh my God, I'd have to go back five years and every trip I've left the country and the dates. Yeah. No way. Oh my gosh. I'm so happy I actually did that. Use that slip. Right on, because um, that becomes a problem for people that are traveling a lot. And, um, you know, I always tell my clients when they become permanent residents, like, keep a travel journal, do it, whatever, you know, however works for you. But be mindful of this, because in five years or six years or whenever it is you're going to file your application, be it for permanent resident card renewal or citizenship, you're going to need to know the answers to these questions. Yeah. And, you know, the thing that makes it complicated in this day and age is, you know, a lot of times when you travel, you're not getting a stamp in your stupid passport. Yeah. Yeah. And now you need to go back and try to reconstruct your life. <laughs> I don't know about you or your listeners, but like, if you told me I had to tell you what I had for dinner for the last seven days, like we'd have a problem, right? So I know I've been there. I've gone through all my emails, trying to find like flight confirmation emails. Yeah. And, oh, it's just a nightmare. So this time around for my citizenship, I, I knew that I was like, no, I'm going to do it. I know it's so easy to get caught up. Like, yes, I'm a permanent resident. This is amazing. Now I can relax and not think about it for a while. But it makes so much difference when you have that tracked already. Yeah, if your listeners uh, are interested, if you go to the uh, CIC website, there's actually a link to a travel journal where where you can, you know, immigration gives you this thing and, you know, it allows you to sort of do what 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 you've been doing. Yeah, keep it in your passport. That's what I've done. So, yeah, we'll link to that for sure. And then maybe, yeah, just print it off and just put it in your passport in the back and you'll know it will remind you to do it. So. Yeah. Yeah, it's important. Yeah. And it, it doesn't have to be consecutive as well. I no. know a lot of people think, oh, it has to be, you know, three straight years out of the five. It's like it can be, you know, scattered throughout. It can be scattered. As long as it adds up to that 1,095 days, then you're good. Correct. Correct. Awesome. And what else uh, in terms of requirements? You need to file your taxes uh, if mm -hmm. you're legally uh, obliged to. Uh, what else? You need to have proof of your language skills. So yes. the language thing is uh, simple for some, not as simple for others. Uh, the language requirement applies for anyone 18 to 54. Mm -hmm. And basically, you know, in a nutshell, what the language requirement uh, necessitates is, is that you show uh, proof of English or French language skills, which could consists of a diploma or or a certificate evidencing, you know, your schooling in, in, in English or French. If you haven't, you know, done schooling in English or French, then, you know, you'd need to do a, a, a language test. And one of the language tests that's um, accepted by, by immigration, and you need to, uh, to meet uh, what's called the Canadian language benchmark of, of level four or higher. So mm -hmm. one quick question about the language skills, it's a really big one that I get a lot is can you reuse the test that you took for your PR application. So I myself, I took CELPIP. I have that in my email somewhere. Um, could I reuse that for my citizenship? So depends on the date, maybe. Maybe there's an expiration. It is. Or... It's dated. And I off the top of my head, I'm yeah. you know, Kate, for someone like yourself, I'm assuming you've got a, a degree or a diploma from a, an English institution, right? So that would be sufficient. You know, if you did your high school or or college or or university, like that's that's fine. There's no expiry on that. 
I have a university degree in English. <laughs> it's called an English, a BA ons in English, but I still had to take my CELPIT for my PR. So yeah, it's, it's just less, it's less strict for the citizenship. I could just probably use my diploma. Correct. Amazing news. And your diploma could be in basket weaving, not ne necessarily English. Oh. oh, my gosh, that's so much better. Everyone thinks, you know, language test, they think CELPIP, they think those those exams, you have to do them all over again, even as an English speaker. So that's good no. news. If you, if, you did, if you did a degree, a, a secondary or post-secondary program in English or French, it's sufficient. Fantastic. Yeah. Awesome. And then the next final thing is uh, you have to pass a citizenship test. You do. And whenever I chat about this with Canadians who, are, you know, were born and raised here, it's always really funny because they always make me laugh and say, you know, they themselves would never pass this. <laughs> you know, immigrants end up knowing way more about Canada than, than they do yeah. sometimes. It's funny. I had never done the citizenship test until I'm going to say about five years ago when um, someone in my office was doing one and, you know, I did it with her and um, I passed, but I, uh, I wasn't a shining star. I'll tell you that <laughs> much. Um, but, you know, people shouldn't get bent out of shape with, with that citizenship test. Uh, you know, it's a 20 question test immigration, you know, you can go online and, and find the guide, you know, it's called the discover Canada guide or when you've got a citizenship application that's been filed at the point where they're ready to schedule your citizenship test, they'll, they'll tell you, you know, here's the guide, here's the link to the guide, go and do your time. Mm. But, you know, look, the, the reality of most of the questions on that citizenship test is I was in a better position to answer them when I was 17 years old, graduating yes. high school than I am now where I'm, you know, I, I know about my country, but I, there's a lot of, little things that I, I don't remember. And, and, but if I was studying from the guide, I, I'm, I'm sure I would have got 20 out of 20 instead of, you know, 14. Right. Yeah. And, and that's what I like. There is an official study guide that they, that they give you. And then, yeah, the more you read up about it, the less scary it is, you know, it's 30 minutes. It's not, you know, a big, serious, long, massive exam. It's 30 minutes, 20 questions, multiple choice, true or false questions. So yeah. again, it's not like putting you on the spot where you have to know the answers. It's multiple choice, true or false. It's not terribly tricky. And it does sort of touch on sort of the major things to know as a citizen, you know, like a little bit about history, you know, elections, how our justice system functions, symbols, you know, our economy, you know. Uh, Geography. Yeah. So, you know, it, it ends up being basic and, you know, they're not really trying to, to trick you. And uh, you only need 15 to pass as well. So you can get five wrong and still pass. So that's nice. Although you should go in trying to get 20. That's bad mindset. Listen, listen we should it. always aim for <laughs> excellence, not necessarily perfection. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And you get three tries. I read that as well. So obviously that's not ideal, but Ideally, you, you get three tries before you have to reapply for the whole thing all over again. Yeah, look, mo most most people... It takes the pressure off anyway, knowing that. <laughs> yeah, but, mo you know, most people succeed the first time. But, you know, look, there are people who have difficulty at times. And, uh, you know, certain people have, you know, disorders or disabilities or conditions that prevent them from... Or, or inhibit success on those kind of an application mm -hmm. where people can't pass the the test or or you know are are reluctant to to write it try to demonstrate 
proof via, you know, getting evidence from a doctor or medical practitioner that you've got certain conditions and, mm-hmm. and, you know, they can then waive that requirement. They offer an oral test too, right? You can, you do it online most of the time, but then there's yeah. an oral option if they see that you're struggling with that mode of delivery as well. Look, the reality is that the government's tr- not trying to prevent you from becoming a citizen. They're, they're trying to help you, but mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think it's it is a really nice touch obviously from the Canadian perspective, you know, you know we're coming in and we're calling this place our new home and yeah, I think it's nice to to take responsibility to to actually learn about it and respect it and and then you can appreciate it more as well and kind of feel a part of it because you have that knowledge. I think it it does make a lot of sense. Yeah, I mean, I I I can't say that I disagree with it. And and look, you know, I'd have a problem with it if if we're going to give you this, you know, 4-hour exam and really <laughs> yeah. make you sweat. But, you know, by and large it's it's, it's a little quiz. Just like a BuzzFeed quiz. It's You're like good. that, right? Like we're constantly <laughs> doing these things in online and whatever silly websites we're visiting or or magazines we're reading. So, I think you can do it and and find a way to uh succeed when, you know, it, it's it's a matter of you know, finalizing your citizenship process. And when your time comes, you know, it is explained really well, you'll get your invitation, you know, you get your resources. I think everyone just kind of thinks, oh, it's so unknown, and I don't know what to expect. But when it's actually your time, it's, you know, everything's explained to you really well. And is it, it obviously it was virtual for a long time because of the pandemic. I don't know if it's moved back to in person. My last client who um, went through the process did it online. Yeah, they probably just had to adapt really quickly and move everything online. And now they think, oh, this is actually really, really convenient. <laughs> Let's keep it this way. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I don't disagree. Like, there's a lot of things that the pandemic has has shown us uh, in in terms of convenience and and, and yeah. you know doing these some of these processes on online is is. Yeah, in many respects, more convenient for everyone, right? And then the same, is, is it the same time that you get your interview as well? So you yeah. do your test and then you do the interview. Obviously, there's some circumstances where you don't have to do the interview. and It's all on the website. Like if you're a minor with a Canadian parent, um, if you're a minor under 14 without a Canadian parent. But most people have to do that interview as well. Yeah, and it's basic. They're... Just check over your application and you know your English skills. Yeah, they're they're taking a look at everything, and and look, there are times where certain funky things come up there, and and you know, you know, by and large, it's it's really a formality. Wonderful. So yeah, once you've done that, then how long does it take once you've passed that exam or that test to to that ceremony that you can really celebrate? You know, it's it's usually pretty quick. I think within a couple of months max, like, mm-hmm. and, and the process is done. But again, it's it's just a matter. It's it's a waiting game by that point because once you've you've passed the test and everything's gone well in the interview, it's it's a done deal, right? You're just waiting for you're just waiting to blow out the candles and a couple months max for for this whole thing to be finalized, and then you go on, you live happily ever after. You go and get your passport and your canoe app and. <laughs> you start busting a move all over the country. Yeah, absolutely. Those ceremonies always look so fun. I know that a lot of people are kind of taking selfies with the the person on the screen. It's always really funny to see that. <laughs> yeah, it's good. Like it's something you don't get to enjoy when, you know, you're born here. So those ceremonies mm. are fun yeah. and it makes you proud of it as well. Again, I think all of these steps you have to take it it makes you proud to be Canadian and you're going through that and it's a ceremony and you take your oath of citizenship. You have to you sing the national anthem, right? That's part of it. Is that right? 
Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. yeah it, has. I, it says you take the oath of citizenship. Um, you sign the oath or affirmation of citizenship form, and then you sing the national anthem. So, okay. I, yeah. I didn't even remember that part of it. <laughs> and it's age 14 and over. They have to do the ceremony. So even yeah. 14, 15 year olds have to do it, which I think is really cool as well. And listen, by the time, by the time you are at that point in the process, as far as the national anthem is concerned, you know, I would hope that you've been to a pile of hockey games and you know <laughs> the words to that national anthem, like, by heart in English and in French. <laughs> it's a requirement as well that you know you you've watched a sufficient number of hockey games, whether they ask for it or not. That's the secret reasoning for that. They want you they want to know that you've gone to enough hockey games. That's why exactly. they ask you to sing it. Correct. Yeah. <laughs> Let's just keep that on the down low. <laughs> okay, all right. Sorry, we're busting the secrets. Yeah. That's funny. <laughs> awesome. Well, Let's just maybe run through, I'd love to hear your experience, obviously, as a lawyer, like what common mistakes do you see come up again and again with your clients to avoid throughout the process of, of applying for citizenship? Well, first of all, I'd say like, if, if I'm dealing with the application for my client uh, and sort of working with them to file, by and large, I'd say I haven't seen a lot of problems. Mm-hmm. That being said, I've seen many people who contact me sort of midstream if they've got an application in process or it's been sent back to them. Um, and, and in those scenarios, typically what I'm seeing is forms that have not been properly filled out, you know, questions that haven't been answered or questions that have been answered incorrectly, um, documents that are missing, the language thing I see come up, you know, clients who will send in one thing that they think is is sufficient proof of, of language when, you know, the reality is it isn't. It's really that, you know, it's it's just people who are a little less fair with completing the forms and, and, you know, make, you know, innocent mistakes or, or just miss providing documents. Uh, you know, police certificates are, are, are another thing, right? But you know, the application process is not rocket science, but like anything with with immigration, you you need you need to be careful. You need to be mindful. I, I do a lot of these things, and I always believe it's it's a problem if you rush. Mm. But when I work on people's applications, like I I work on them, I look at them, yeah. I look at them again, I put them aside, I look at them with eyes that are fresh two days later and newly caffeinated. Yeah. When we rush, we make mistakes. And when we make mistakes, we, you know, create problems, we have applications sent back to us, we cause delays to our own, Progress. you know, applications. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, it can be easy to skip over the little eye icon where it's explaining something further. Or if there's like a, you know, sometimes there's a PDF that kind of dives into the nitty gritty of that one question. And I think it's worth it. It does take that bit of extra time, you know, oh, they need a police certificate. Here you go, upload it. But maybe there's a link there that has, you know, more information about this part. And then you read that and make sure, okay, this certificate I'm uploading does include name, date of birth, whatever it's asking for. Um, You know, reading absolutely everything is worth it. So, you know, and and the other thing is, look, you know, I, I get it. Uh, life's busy, you know, we've all got a million things to do. But, you know, what what people don't understand sometimes is, you know, when you sort of rush your process, and then file this application and just get it out of your face. 
you know, if it comes back to you four months later, you've now wasted, you know, four months time plus however much time it's going to take you to get this whole thing done again. Yeah. And so if you actually took another week or two to, to review it and let it marinate and then look at it again, well, you might have actually saved yourself some time and, and grief and, and aggravation, right? Yeah. Definitely. Um, and then, yeah, just the one final thing is obviously fees. So I looked it up and it's 630 Canadian right now as of the 5th yes. of August 2022. Obviously, I'm going to have something at the beginning of this episode as well. You know, everything we've spoken about today is true as of the 5th of August 2022. But um, yeah, it's $630 for an adult to apply for Canadian citizenship, obviously without the use of a representative. So doing it yourself, very capable of doing so. But if you did need that extra help, then obviously that would be extra. But um, yeah, $100 for minors. Yeah. And it's, um, I don't remember when, but citizenship fees have, have risen big time. That's a significant chunk of money, really. <laughs> yeah. they. It used to be it was 50 or 100 bucks not wow. long ago. Like, you know, you, your listeners can Google, but it wasn't long ago where uh, the fees were far more uh, digestible. But I think at some point the government said, hey, people are going to do this anyhow. And why don't we try to fill our, our barren coffers with a little bit of extra coin for people who are, are going to get citizenship? So, you know, they've risen large over the last few years. Amazing. Well, I would love to just learn a little bit more about you if anyone wants to contact you for any advice. I I know you're very generously offering a 15-minute free consultation call, so tell us about that and how they can get in touch with you if they want to work with you. Sure. So, uh first of all, first of all, a little bit of background. So, you know, I've been doing this for hard to believe, but 30 years, uh, opened my practice in 92, doing immigration, refugee, citizenship work. And, uh, you know, we're a small office located in the heart of the city at uh, Spadina and Bloor. And the easiest way for people to contact me to try to set up a, a call or a meeting would be uh, to either email me at larrybudkowski at simpatico.ca or, or just to, to phone the office uh, at 416-979-2127. I'd be happy to chat with them and give them their 15 minutes worth of uh, time. Yeah, I mean, look, sometimes people just have some very basic questions about the process or, or you know, need answers to a couple things. So happy to get involved in situations like that and, you know, happy to get involved for people who, who you know, want, you know, the full range of, you know, our services in terms of completing and, and filing these applications as well. Wonderful. Oh, well, thank you so much again, Larry. It's been wonderful. I, I definitely feel less overwhelmed by everything now. It seems like it's pretty straightforward. So maybe I will finally do it. <laughs> I keep putting it yeah. off, but I think it's worth it. I'm going to try. Look, it's, <laughs> it's one of those things, you know, yeah. it's a bit of a pain in the butt. Uh, the, you know, the applications, I don't know, six, seven, eight pages. It takes time to actually do it. So, you know, I get why it's one of those things that people put on the back burner. But my advice to people is don't be awestruck. It's not that difficult. Get her done. Yeah, exactly. Wonderful. Well, have a great day. It was great to meet you. And um, nice chatting with you. Yeah. All right. Have a good one. Thank you so, so much for listening. 
As always, it would mean the world to us if you could leave us a quick review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening from. And then if you're loving the show so far, recommend us to your friends. Spread word and help us grow this exciting community. Until next week. Bye.